evening, everybody. It is, well, two of us here, Simon Evans and Franco Panizo, back for the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, the show, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. So, as you can see, we started with some somber music, not the usual upbeat uh, techno music, and that's obviously because Inter Miami is in a bad, bad way. I'm wearing, well, I'm not wearing all black, but I'm wearing black here up top. So, you know, kind of uh, maybe a bit of a fitting fitting outfit, given the fact that Inter Miami is lost in a big, big way today. Um, they got buried. Uh, Simon also wearing black, but a little bit of purple in there, but it's not Orlando City. It's Louisville City. Okay, Simon, please explain to the people where you got the shirt and why you're wearing it. Oh, no, I just uh, started this thing where if I travel somewhere in the States, like if I make a little trip somewhere, I'm going to try and uh, buy. I don't, I'm not buying the replica shirts because they cost so much these days, don't they, as well? But like, and also, I don't really look great in a replica shirt these days. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm, going, I'm going for the T-shirt. And I'll, no, some I'll... people don't know how tall Simon Evans is. How tall are you in, in feet? Give the people. Some people might not really realize I'm how six, tall you six, really are. Six five. I'm 6'5", five, yeah. The mammoth Englishman, a very yeah. big, tall, large Englishman. Central defender, yeah. If anyone needs to, uh... <laughs> slows molasses, but he's got some imposing size. Uh, yeah. Simon, how are you? Good. I'm good, thank Better you. Better than yeah. Miami. Indeed, yeah, that would have been not a very pleasant experience for uh, anyone associated with Inter Miami today. That was pretty uh, humiliating. Yeah. I see, I see the suitcases in the background. Did you just fly back immediately from Saudi Straight Arabia? Straight back from to record, Riyadh. To record, to record the pod? back from Riyadh to Hallandale. Yeah, direct flight. <laughs> uh, we appreciate just, just the effort. Young Circle, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, well, we appreciate uh, the effort. Yeah. Uh, no, we're in a bit of so a uh, situation here. So. For all the listeners, either you know, or the viewers watching live or listening post, uh, if you haven't already, this is just our normal initial pleasantries. Please give us a subscribe, a like, a share, a comment, all of the above. A review, if, it's, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, it really helps us out. Just a second. And well, cheers to that, because normally, I mean, I don't think I've ever done it. Maybe once in like four years of my Total Football's history. I've never really drank while recording a pod. I don't think so. Maybe once. Like I said, maybe once. But I'm drinking some Colombian rum and Coke. Colombian rum and Coke. Now, I'm not Colombian. You all out there better know que soy bien peruano, recontra peruano, más peruano que ceviche. Peruvian, for those that might not have understood. But I do have an affinity for Colombia and especially Medellin. So I'm having some Colombian rum and Coke. Simon, are you drinking with us today? Are we cheering? What are we doing? No, I think, I think, I think the Colombians uh, have got the Peruvians on the rum. Um, I think the Peruvians <laughs> win on the food, though. Oh, the food, absolutely, absolutely. I know you're a big Peruvian food connoisseur. I know that. I know that. I'm not a big connoisseur. Like I don't have a huge knowledge of it, but everything I've had has been good. Man. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's all you need to know. That's all. Uh, you know, and no, dis- no disrespect. No disrespect to the uh, Colombians either. I mean, some Colombian friends of mine took me out in Miami for a meal uh, a while back, and we had what is called a paisano. I think it's called the plate mm. that's like got four or five different. Uh, kinds of pork on it i think you know sausages oh, and all that might, kinds that of... might be a plate that's just like 
uniform to that to that um, restaurant. I've never heard of it. Basically. No, no, yeah. no. It's a traditional Colombian like mixed grill, basically. Oh, Colombian, Colombian. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, no, no, I've no, never heard of it. No, no, no. Ah, you, maybe you're talking about bandeja paisa. Maybe you're talking about bandeja yes, paisa. I am. Yeah, with the that's sausage, okay. with the blood yeah, sausage, yes, yes. with a piece of pork. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. And that, Paisa is from Medellin, so it's from a certain part of Colombia, which if you haven't visited, I highly recommend. Awesome time. Great music, great vibe. People are fantastic. Uh, the whole thing, the whole thing. I went last year. For that's the first all you got to say about it? Okay. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. <laughs> that's all I can say, man. That's all I can say. This is this is a family show, all right? A family show. Um, all right. Simon, enough of the pleasantries. Let's just jump right into it because Inter Miami obviously suffered well two losses this week, but obviously the biggest one is the most recent one today. Sticks to zero against Al Nassar, Cristiano Ronaldo's team. Now, Cristiano Ronaldo did not play in this game. Messi only appeared late on. You know, this game was titled or dubbed The Last Dance, you know, for marketing purposes and PR purposes, and their images were splattered everywhere, but Ronaldo got injured. And then Messi apparently got injured. And played a few minutes today. So Simon, I mean, we'll just dive into the result. Six to zero defeat for Inter Miami. This coming off of a four to three loss to Al Hilal on Monday. Obviously, we'll talk about both games just generally speaking, but just focusing a little bit more on Thursday's events. Your thoughts on the loss and what it all means. Give us some perspective, Simon. Well. People usually say about preseason friendlies that they mean nothing, right? They're called meaningless preseason friendly games. Um, but when you lose 6 0, and frankly, they could have lost 10 0, right? That scoreline did not flatter. It was not like three late goals at the end of a tight game or something. That was, they were absolutely battered. Yeah. When you lose like, that in a preseason friendly, it does mean something. There is something to at least learn from that from that game. I think for a team, you can't dismiss it as it's a preseason friendly. Now there are mitigating factors that you can put into play, right? The Saudi League, you know, they're 19 games into their season. You could tell, right? The fitness levels of the two teams were like miles apart from each other, right? The Saudis haven't had to make trips to El Salvador, Dallas, and then out to the Middle East and all the rest of it. Um, and you have to say it was a mismatch, really, because despite you know the, the good players that were in the Inter-Miami team, we're talking not about the Saudi League. People talk about the Saudi League and the standard of the Saudi League. This is not about the Saudi League. This is the top two clubs they faced, right? And those clubs, they're stacked with players. They, they are European-level teams, right? When you watch that team today, that was like watching a team who, I'm not going to say Champions League team, but a Europa League team, right? With the kind of players that they had in that team. I mean... It's Miami made them look like a Champions League team. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But, you know, you look at players like, you know, Brozovic, who's, you know, still a class player. Um, you know, Laporte would would be competing with uh, for a Premier League title with Manchester City probably if he hadn't have taken the money. So, you know, they 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 had very good players and the lesser known ones as well. I mean, obviously the guy who got the hat-trick, Taliska, like looked a lot better than he looked when he played in, uh, in Europe as well. But you can put all these things there, but there's fundamental problems that, that Tata Martino has to look at after that game because 
even if you're outmatched like that, even if it's a preseason friendly, I can't believe he thinks that was a, an acceptable performance. Well, he didn't make any post comments, so I don't know if it's acceptable or not, but I get your point. Um, you said a lot of, you know, you gave us a balance of things there, Simon, but a lot of what you said was more about how good and the reasons for why Al Nassar is as good as they are. But it reminded me, didn't even look up the snuff. Like, they didn't even make the cut, man. They weren't even competitive. They were down already again for the second straight game in the Middle East, for the second straight game in Saudi Arabia. They're down multiple goals in the opening 15 minutes for the second straight game in four days. Now, they didn't have Messi on the field in this one. They did on, on Monday. And we'll, we'll dive into all of it in a little bit more detail. But, I mean, is it concerning if you're an Inter-Miami fan to watch these two results and the way the games have played out? Now, I, listen, I agree with you fully. Like, Inter-Miami, by and large, is not going to play teams in MLS on a consistent yeah, basis that's, that are that's the going to be at this level, yeah. right? But that, that's where this preseason is tricky, right? Because Martino is going to analyze and assess, you know, make decisions based on what he's seeing. And I'm sure he will take into context all of this. But, you know, how do you really make decisions about your ability to build out of the back when you're playing teams like this that have, like you said, very good talent that most MLS teams don't have? Um, you know, how, how do you compare like, – there's a lot of people talking about the system and building out of the back. And clearly, we've seen this whole preseason, again, you know, building off of last year, Tata Martino's first six months in charge. Intermind wants to build out of the back. Come hell or high water, they want to build out of the back. Doesn't matter how much pressure they're under, they want to build through the lines, not bypass them. That's been very obvious. Under tight pressure, doesn't matter. They keep trying. It hasn't looked pretty. And a lot of times, straight calendar has, has committed some nasty passes. You've seen bad passes from other players like. Noah Allen, uh, Jordi Alba, you know, it's, it just hasn't been a clean build. But again, they're playing higher level opposition than most MLS teams, if not all MLS teams. So how does a coach analyze and assess that? Because do you stick with it in MLS play and, and think that it's going to play out better because you're not playing that high level opposition? Or do you say, you know what, there's some tweaking that needs to be done. We can't play this way. Is, is Tata going to stick with this or is he going to be flexible and maybe change things up. It's clear, man, that with this personnel, I don't think they're going to be, even against MLS, I don't think they're going to be able to build out of the back as cleanly as they want to. No, well, the the, the problem with, with doing it is you have to have the players to play like that, right? And it's, it's uh, I've seen a lot of teams in, in English football, in the second division and so on, or, or the bottom half of the Premier League, who try to play that way. Everyone's trying to play like Guardiola's Manchester City or like Barcelona and so on. And there's good reasons why, because, you know, it's, it's great. And when it works, it's fantastic. But um, you have to have players in key positions that are up to doing it. First of all, you do need a goalkeeper who's really good with his feet. And Drake right? Callender is not that, man. Like, let's be honest. Like, he is a fantastic shot stopper at the MLS level. Like, you know, he's saved into Miami time and time again. But with his feet, Dating back to last year, and we did see some improvement for him, but it was marginal. He's not good enough with his feet to play the style that Inter Miami wants to play. Like that, that has to be said. That has to be said. As good as he is at stopping shots, he's not good enough with the ball at his feet. You, you can see how. Nervous I mean, ideally, he looks, you know? ideally, you want to be a goalkeeper who can play a one-touch pass out to a defender, right? That's he pretty hard. That. That's pretty he hard do to do. That's pretty hard to do. Uh, at the very worst, you want a goalkeeper who can take a quick control touch and then pass it off quickly. That's also a skill set that you need to have. And I'm not sure that under pressure, uh, 
And there's no reason why MLS teams, if they spot this, they're going to put him under pressure on them because they oh, know they know he's not. They're not wasting the run by pressing the goalkeeper because he's not just going to kick it past them. They've got a chance of catching him out. So that's a really tricky one. It's not just the goalkeeper in this system when the way they play that. Your central defenders have to be ball-playing central defenders, right? They have to be really good on the ball, at least one of them, yeah? The other one, you can maybe get away with, you know, somebody who can just lay it off quickly. But you need a ball-playing central defender who's comfortable on that. And then you need the receiving players in midfield who are good at receiving the ball under pressure, right? You can't expect to play that way of football and pass to men who aren't being marked or aren't being pressed. So you need so Busquets, of course, is absolutely one of the best in the world at doing that, right? You can pass to him with a man on his back, with two men on his back, and he won't give the ball away. But he sometimes does. But um, but you know, are there the other players around him who can do that? And it didn't look like it. I mean, to be honest, the biggest issue out of today isn't a style of play thing so much. It's basic defending, right? It's it, it's I'm looking at that defense today and saying they couldn't cope with that attack. They just couldn't cope with that attack. So, uh, yes, it's a better attack than they're going to be up against most of the time in MLS, but there's some pretty good attacks in MLS. I don't think Miami fans should start thinking that just because this Saudi team have got guys who cost a lot of money that they're miles better than MLS teams. There's plenty of MLS teams that will press your back line if you try and play it out and, uh, and who will also ask a lot of questions of your back four. I mean, the, the quality in MLS is all in that area of the field, right? No one's buying DP defenders right. in MLS. Right. So, you know. Right, because the league, the league might be, veto that as they have in the past. So, um, yeah, and that's not normally happening. Uh, so, Inter Miami loses 6-0. They were down 3-0 in the first 12 minutes, including a goal from beyond midfield. Greg Callender gets caught way off the line, follows into the back of the net. I mean, it was as ugly as the scoreline says it was. And there's a lot of comments here in, in the comments section. Uh, Jay Vasquez says, the rest of MLS is just taking notes on how to take down the center Miami team. They are clearly weak in the back. All you have to do is pressure and the defense or counter, and they'll turn the ball over. But then we've got a different take. We've got a different take here from Tracker. He said, dude, again, it's not a backline issue. Simon, you said it's a backline issue. For me... I think the issue starts with, I don't want to say the tactics because it's, like, I, I like the idea of trying to build up through the back. I like the idea of trying to play through the line. Like that's just my, my personal preference of how, yeah, how yeah, to play through. Too. So like, I don't despise that. And again, they're not going to be playing this level of opposition in regular season. We're talking more about these are friendlies, but they're still it's in an international match, right? They're testing themselves at a higher, higher level, even though these are friendlies. They're not going to be playing these teams in MLS. So against MLS teams, they'll probably be able to get away with it a little bit more. But does that mean I agree with you? Do they have the pieces? Do they have the horses to operate in this manner? I mean, look, I think Nicolas Freire, when he comes in, I mean, I've never seen him play, but I have to imagine that they like his ball playing ability. Like I have to imagine that they brought him over for one of that being one of the very reasons they brought him. Because Look, Noah Allen has been playing as a center back. He's not a center back, not by size, not by nature or natural position. It's just not what he's good at doing. Now, he's played there since last year at times when there's Tata Martino. Tata Martino has preferred him over the likes of Ryan Saylor. 
and even Christopher McVeigh, who just got traded to DC United for uh, international slot and I think general allocation money. But Noah Allen's not a center back, right? So when it comes to the defending, he's he's going to have weaknesses that are going to be exposed in that spot. So while I agree with you, their shortcomings defensively, and part of that is just lack of personnel that you know that, that isn't ready at this point. I think more of it comes down to what they're doing with the ball. And again, this high-level opposition, I agree with Jay Vasquez, who said the blueprint is out there for, for how to make this Inter-Miami team suffer. I tweeted this earlier. The blueprint is out for how to make this Inter-Miami team suffer. High-press them and then be ruthless in the attack with the chances that you have. Now, that's easier said than done, especially if you're an MLS team. But clearly, clearly this Inter-Miami team has a lot, a lot of weaknesses. I don't know if that is going to change the formation or if you're going to stick with this. We'll see a little bit more in these in Asia that they'll be playing in the next few days because the level of opposition should be lower or be expected to be lower. So we'll see. I expect the Miami to stick with it. I expect Dr. Martino to be stubborn. Um, wouldn't be the first time he's been stubborn with trying to, to make something uh, or force the issue. Uh, but, but if it doesn't go well in these next two games or if it's shaky, then I think you go into the season kind of reassessing things. Mute. Yeah, I, th I think, look, there's bound to be some reassessment at the end of this, you know. Um, you know, the, the upcoming game, you've got a Hong Kong 11. That should be, I mean, you're presuming that's going to be a much, much weaker opposition than what they've just faced. J-League opponents, you know, they're going to be pretty decent. But um, then you come back and you play Newell's. Newell's, guys, um, it's a friendly match. They're playing against Messi and Tata Martino. Like those guys are going to be fired up, right? Then they're, they're not. They're not going to play in that game just to like, uh, you know, take selfies and sign autographs, right? So that'll be that'll be an interesting test. Oh, you think they might? I mean, we've seen MLS teams do it. We've seen all different other teams look for Messi and try to take the selfie. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Newell's old boys because of the ties with Messi and all that. But Maybe, maybe, but I think they'd be fired up to try and show what they can do, you know? Probably some of them would quite fancy move to into Miami as well, some of them, you know? Oh, of course, they, absolutely. They play some of their fringe players especially. But anyway, um, I think I think there's going to come a point where, where they, they are going to have to assess what they're doing. I mean, I'm guessing that defense, as for the points you just made about Noah Allen as well, who I really like, it's not a criticism of Noah Allen, I, I like him as a player. Uh, I think he's got a lot of potential. I don't necessarily think he's a, a central defender. I think he was just filling in there in these games, really. Obviously, we have um, pronounced me for me, please, the new player who's arriving from Nicholas Freire. Uh, Freire, I think that's how you pronounce it. If I if I butcher it, I promise you I'll get better by the end of the season. But Freire, Freire, Freire. I don't. I mean, I'm trying to do okay, Spanish Freire. pronunciation into English, uh, but yeah, yeah. Is there going to be another one? I mean, McVeigh moving suggested to me suggested to me there's going to be another one. So, are you looking at instead of? I mean, today was was no Allen, uh, Sergio Christoph, and uh, Thomas Aviles, right? So, are we looking at? I mean, you would think he wants to play Aviles in that system, um, who he probably thinks is is more comfortable on the ball. Um, if you play with Aviles, Rier. And uh, and a another new guy. It's a very different back line. Different then, team, isn't it? absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I think they have to go get a center back. I know I haven't seen reports of that. 
We've seen reports about midfielders. We haven't seen reports about another center back. I think they have to give them a center back, especially if they want to build out of the back. Unless they're they're counting on one of the young guys. Look, Ian Frey's working his way back. Unless they're counting one of those young guys to step in and really step it up. I just don't see how this group, this roster, has what it takes at this point in time to play like that well consistently. Because again, against all those teams, I think that they'll there will be an upgrade there. They'll do better. And I think that's where this whole preseason is going to make, make it very tricky and very challenging because they're not playing MLS teams. They played one, FC Dallas, and that's at the beginning of preseason. You know, they're not playing MLS-level opposition. So how do you really gauge where you're at if you're playing different-level oppositions? And I, I think that's well, tricky. Ideally, you don't want to be playing preseason games, you know, um, <laughs> against teams who aren't in preseason, right? Because there's a massive difference in the levels of the fitness. There is. I mean, even, you know, taking the travel, take the travel out of it completely, just on the fact that they've been training for, what, two and a half weeks, you know? Our buddy uh, Juan Arango in the comment section saying there's still talk of Fede Redondo. Hey, listen, they, whoever they can bring in, they need to bring in, they can play the ball out of the back. This, this I don't think this is going to be good enough to win the competitions that they want to win. Because, again, they'll beat lower-level opposition. They just have the talent to do so, especially MLS. But like you said, defense, there's not much money invested in the defenses. But when they get to those top-level teams, whether it's in Champions Cup or whatever, you got to be better. And right now, you know, it's not it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's, it is preseason, like you said at the start. Let's, let's listen to Julian Gressel. Let's, let's take a quick little break here to listen to Julian Gressel after the game, talking about the lessons learned from this defeat, this embarrassing defeat. In my opinion, complete embarrassment, even though it's only preseason. But this is what Julian Gressel said after the game. Um, yeah, obviously not the result that, you know, we wanted. But, uh, you know, obviously a lot of lessons, I think, to take and a lot to learn from for us to, you know, to grow. I think there's a ton of stuff that we can we can look at and we can uh, we can go over with on film. But obviously it starts with us having a good start to the game. You know, you can't be down 3-0 with 12 minutes into the game, I think that's what it was. And, um, you know, those are lessons that you learn in preseason. Um, that's where we're at. That's, um, you know, where we want to improve upon. And um, ultimately, you know, when the time comes, when it counts for us, that's when we want to we want to be at our best. And, um, you know, those games are, are valuable in that sense, even though they, they, they sting quite a bit. Simon, what do you make of that? Just curious what you make of those comments from Julian Gressel. I don't know. I mean, I don't really like analyzing those kind of comments. I mean, they just What do you mean? Why not? What do you not like about that? Because they don't mean anything. They've just been beaten <laughs> six still. He's trying to get out of the interview as fast as he can without saying anything embarrassing, you know? Uh, can, can I, I want to add something this time. I know I asked you a question, but I want to add something. And I do think that on a bigger level and a, a more you know, a higher level, this could be a problem with this team, right? Because we have Cuatro Fantásticos, right? We, we label them the Cuatro Fantásticos, at least I do. Uh, the Fantastic Four, which are Lionel Messi, Luis Suarez, Sergio Busquets, and Jordi Alba, right? And then it's the rest of the team. And this was a problem with David Beckham's, you know, LA Galaxy when he first arrived. It was LA, you know, David Beckham, Lenny Donovan, Benjamin Keen. Uh, but then there was, like, the others, right? Everybody else. And I think that there's definitely an element to play there here where the team needs to figure that out. And this is just my supposition, not my inside information, my sensation. It's just my sensation. Because, look, Julian Gressel did pregame interviews before this match. 
He was the, the player chosen to do pregame interviews. Yeah. And then he's the one chosen to do the postgame interview after the 6-0. But this preseason, we have not heard from any of the star four, except for Luis Suarez when they did his introductory press conference. But that was an introductory press conference. You know, they're not doing previews before games. And, yes, it's preseason still early, but they're not doing it before games to promote these matches. They're not doing it after the games when they're facing the music. And I think that that divide that's very clear to us on the outside, I think that can also permeate itself into other elements and that's what I think Tata Martino and his staff have a real, real hard job to do, to blend the star players that have played at the highest levels with some of the other players that are just, you know, roster MLS players. And figuring out how to really get a team. Not so much in this game. Well, you could say maybe in this game. But in the Al-Hilal game, there were times where you saw, you know, seven, eight players defending, but the star duo up top of Suarez and Messi were just kind of like, you know, not really putting yeah well we've seen that uh, we've seen that happen at a much higher level i mean i I watched paris saint-germain in the champions league when messi was playing there and there was him mbappe and neymar and eight other guys working trying to close down liverpool and deal with liverpool's press and things like that and those guys were 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 sitting up front it can happen and and it's it can be corrosive for a team if you get into that situation yeah i mean it's a I, i wonder not that I'm blaming Suarez for that or anything, but um, no reason to whatsoever. But the three came in last year. We heard a lot about how they were regular guys, how they rolled their sleeves up, how they were in the, the locker room. They were the same as everybody else. We heard a lot about that. And you just wonder with four, you know, does that does that shift tilt things a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Listen, man. When I went to the boating event, right, the, the event on the Royal Caribbean cruise, the icon of the seas, and the team showed up, right? And they got there for the first event. So there was two events. There was the jersey unveiling, and then there was, like, the whole, like, christening of the boat. Right. The whole team walks in, and the trio for last year, the Barcelona trio, minus Luis Suarez, were all together in the middle. I don't know why Luis Suarez showed up late. I don't know if he went to the bathroom. I don't know if he came on a different bus. I don't know why, but he showed up a little bit later than the rest of the team. And initially, he was at the end next to Ian Frey. He was all the way at the end on the right side. Eventually, when you know they they, they turned the lights down and they, they showed some video, he made his way over to the middle and was sitting next to Messi, and then it was the Fantastic Four in the middle and the rest of the team off to the side there. I mean, listen, they were all together, but the four were still together. Yeah, 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 I, think, I, I, think that, I think that divide is there. I think in ways, the team is going to feel that. And that's something that I think has to be addressed at some point this year, whether it's, I mean, sooner the better. Because look, if you're Julian Gressel or or you're the American guys or the MLS roster guys, you're probably at some point going to be like, why do I always have to face the music? Why am I the one that's always having to talk while these multimillionaires just get to sit back and not not have to like make comments or talk? Listen, I get it. There's star power and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like at some in some point, in my opinion, that impacts you as a person. Like that, that just will hit you in some type of way. Like you don't feel that it's equal. Like I don't think Julian Gressel and Stancy here in the comment section says poor Gressel, he stepped into a mess. I, mean, I don't think Julian Gressel should be because he's a he's a nice guy or he's you know he's willing to do it. I don't think he should be the guy that does pre-game interviews and post-game interviews while you know none of the star four talk or none of the other. Uh, Hispanic guys want to speak because it's not as comfortable and they don't want to speak. Like, I get there's cultural differences with making post-game comments after defeat, but it's part of being a team. It's part of being like, it's my turn to step up and face the music. It's not going to always be you. It's not going to always be... Like, last year, how many times did we get 
you know, Drake Pounder or DeAndre Yedlin or, you know, there was just very often, very always often. Yeah. They were very common. In the, I think that that does impact the team dynamic. And I think that does have to be addressed at some point. Yeah. I mean, two things about that. Number one, ultimately, um, we don't like to hear it because of our jobs, but um, you have players um, mostly don't want to do them, right? They don't. Mostly players don't want to do right. interviews, whether they've won or lost. They don't want to talk to us in all of our fantastic questions. They don't. They don't, right? And you know, we've both got friends who who've worked in the comms business on 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 that side of it, and we know they have to try and persuade these guys, right? And it's not easy. And, you know, if that's what they want to do, if they want to spread the load around evenly, then they're going to have to sometimes try and persuade people who are, like, very famous to do it. Um, so that's that's the first thing to say about it. The second thing is, if you look at really good teams, um, the leaders are the ones who come out and face the music after bad defeats, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. the prominent personalities... You know, and I, I remember, you know, listen to Gary Neville at Manchester United would talk about um, how, you know, he would go out and face the questions because he was one of the senior guys and that was one of the things he had to do. Maybe the dressing room hasn't formed itself well enough yet to, for us to know, like, who are the senior guys beyond the obvious four, you know, the fantastic four, as you call them. Um they're going to have to sort that out. They are because it could be really corrosive for the team if that does become. I mean, I think that's just a media issue at the moment. But you're right that it has the potential to to be something that that could reflect um, a divided locker room, where a divided right. locker room is a disaster for any team, disaster right. for any team at any level. Kyle says here in the comment section, "Yep, Landon Donovan called Beck, Beckham out these types of things in LA. If you've read the Beckham experiment by the late great Grant Walt, you know that that was a big sticking point in the LA Galaxy's history when they had David Beckham on board, and that once they addressed those issues, then they started getting better. And I think that I think that that is something that will have to be addressed. I do I do believe that. Last year, I remember at one point, and this is a little anecdote to share with you listeners." You viewers, there were, I forget which game it was. It was a home game in Miami Lost, and Andrea Yanis, who's a regular here, regular co-host, myself, and I think also was maybe there as well, Armando, our other co-host. We asked for Pizarro, Campana. I don't remember if it was Iguain. There was a third player that we asked for. That was one of the, the veterans, one of the bigger name players, and none of them chose to speak after that game in the locker room. This is when we we're still in the locker room. None of them chose to speak. They all said, no, you know, politely declined, which, you know, understand you don't want to speak, you don't want to speak. But to me, it showed, and I tweeted this, and then I got conversations about it from people within the team, it showed a lack of leadership. It showed a lack of a true leader who's going to step up and face the music. Why, why is it that, you know, Noah Allen, for example, has to go and speak to the media after a, a big loss? You know, why is one of the modern players or one of the bigger name players, you know, why is it the, the, the little guys that got to do all the grunt work in terms of you know public appearances when things don't go well, you know, because when it goes well, oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Luis Suarez will be ready to more than willing to talk after he scores a hat trick in a five to zero victory. I'm sure he would. And these are things that I think the, the team in general they're going to have to address, you know, on the field and off the field because this is not FIFA. It's not just you put eleven players on the field and boom, okay, automatic chemistry. Like there's things that that impact the makeup and the dynamics of of a squad. And I think you know that's I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. But 
Simon, uh, let's switch gears just in general about Messi's injury, right? Because today, right, Lionel Messi initially was not on the roster. Like Inter Miami tweeted out a game day, like the starting lineup with the bench, and Messi was not on it and said that he had injury, that he suffered a bit of a knock in, in the last game. He saw Hilal and that, you know, he tried to give it a go in training yesterday, but he didn't feel great. So he wasn't on the roster. A few minutes later, they've tweaked the lineup graphic. And this time, Messi's on the bench. And he ended up playing a few minutes at the end of the game. Simon, please explain to me, from your experience, what might have happened there. I was Messi not going to play, but then he ended up being on the roster and playing. Please share with me some insight here. What could have possibly happened? Well, there's no insight because I don't know what happened, but I, we can only speculate as to what, what might could happen. have happened. What could have happened? Sir? Well, what's the context of the game? The context of it is a game that's been put on and hyped up as you know Messi versus Ronaldo. Ronaldo's injured; he really can't play. Um, Messi's not 100 um, percent, probably managing his minutes more than an injury, I would imagine. But who knows? Um, and the Saudi organizers are, are looking at the prospect of neither Messi nor Ronaldo for this big game. Doesn't look great. Doesn't look great for them. So, would I be shocked if it came out that some pressure was exerted from the Saudi organizers that Messi needs to at least play some part in this game? I wouldn't be shocked. I have no evidence that was the case. I but would agree with would... you, though. That would be a very plausible explanation for why he's not on the matching roster and then a few minutes later wait a minute yes he is sorry we scratched that they deleted the tweet and pretended like it didn't like it didn't happen but like if he really is i don't believe he's injured at all my personal opinion i don't believe he's injured at all i think that he just you know ronaldo's not playing why play him then it's like you know there's no need if he if there's not going to be the last dance and the promotional purposes etc etc so what do they do in her mind is like all right we're gonna we're gonna arrest him we're not going to play him. But then when they saw that, you know, when the organizers saw, wait a minute, where's Messi? Not even on the bench. Some phone calls were quickly made, and they were like, you can listen, contractually, if he's healthy, he has to play. And they're probably like, oh, well, he's injured. No, then he has to play. He's got to at least make an appearance. And I, I assume, right, this is my assumption and supposition from the outside. This is not inside information for you listeners and, and viewers. But I imagine that's what happened. I agree with you that that's on – like, if you read, again, The Beckham Experiment, which is a great book in general – but it served as really good context for this Inter Miami because of the star-studdedness that was that team with Beckham's arrival. Like Beckham made his debut in a, if I'm not mistaken, a preseason friendly. He made his LA Galaxy debut in a preseason friendly or a midseason uh, friendly, sorry, against Chelsea, and he was yeah. injured, and he wasn't so he wasn't like he wasn't ready to play. He was not like if it was any other moment, he would not have played. They would have rested him. But because there was so much hype and hoopla behind it, strapped up you know, ankle, was, it looked awful. Actually, he was hobbling. And he around. ended up playing. And he ended up yeah. playing. So I imagine something like that happened here. Now, will we ever find out that story? Maybe someday. I don't expect it to be anytime soon because you know, these things not work in, in MLS circles. Very, very tight-lipped. But I imagine fully, like you said, that that's what happened. This is what this is what Julian Gressel said when he was asked about Messi's injury after the game. To me, to me, it reads as someone who was prepared for the question by the PR team, right? Because for you, again, listeners and viewers that might not know this, PR teams speak to the players and they prepare them for questions that they are probably going to get asked. And they give them stock responses to say more or less, right? They give them the guidelines for the response. 
this to me reads like a stock PR prepared response from Julian Gressel on Lionel Messi's injury and how he's doing. This is what Julian Gressel said. I think he, he kind of uh, tried to complete training yesterday a little bit and felt a little something the other day in the game. That's why he came out. Um, but then today he felt like we could play and, you know, that's kind of the all I really know. So, um, you know, we're I think it's obviously still preseason for us, so we don't really want to want to risk any anything more. Um, so, um, yeah, that's really all I know. That's really yeah, I think all you're I right, know. Franco. Yeah, I you agree I, with me? That's that's your sensation? You analyze those comments? <laughs> I think that's all. really all I know means that's really all I've been told to say. Exactly. A hundred percent. He says it twice. Like he's looking for like, you know, how to give a response, but not go over what he needs to what he needs to say. That's that's how I perceive what he's so I don't think this is injured. I don't think this is injured. I think it's just a matter of managing his minutes, Ronaldo's out, you know, you don't have that whole old rivalry in the field again. So they they wanted to rest him, they wanted to not play him. Their their arm was probably bent so that they had to play him for at least a few minutes. At least a few minutes. Uh Simon. This this question is this talking point has been a in the immediate aftermath of this game during this game during the last game, Inter Miami, four to three loss to Al Hilal, and it's something you touched on earlier. But I would like a little bit more. I want a little more uh, substance here from your response because there's a lot being made about the leagues. There's a lot being made about the level of the competition. Let's not forget Cristiano Ronaldo not too long ago said. The Saudi league is better than MLS. Obviously, Inter Miami has lost two games. He also said it's better than the French league recently as well. <laughs> well that's that's a that's a different talking point. But side, this team has lost two games to the top Saudi Arabian teams who have you know were in midseason form. But it's arguably the I don't even think it's arguable. I guess people could argue it. It's the most star-studded team in MLS history. They are going to get judged differently than everybody else. What can we make of the level of the league from these two games? Is it fair to make judgments? Is it fair to make overall sweeping assumptions about the levels of these leagues? Or is it not fair because, like you said, one team's in preseason, one team's in midseason, et cetera, et cetera? No, it's not so much that. I, I, I have no doubt that if Inter Miami and Columbus Crew and LAFC were to take on Al-Hilal and Al-Nasser in the middle of their season, that they would also struggle, right? There's no salary cap in the Saudi Pro League, right? So, the, you know, that team today, uh, the Al-Nasser team, not only was without Cristiano Ronaldo, he was without Sadio Mane, right? Champions League star, you know, last season with, with Liverpool and then Bayern Munich and so on. Um, so the, those top two teams are are absolutely, absolutely on a level with teams that compete in, in, in Europa League and, and maybe even the group stage of the Champions League, right? They feel or look and feel a bit like kind of a Shakhtar Donetsk kind of team with like a couple of extra stars that Shakhtar never had, right? Well, you know, when they always had like three or four Brazilians in there and that kind of stuff, and then some Ukrainian guys that you'd never heard of doing the work in midfield and at the back and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
That's what they felt like, and they were good, and they're better than MLS teams. I have absolutely no doubt those two are better than, than anyone in MLS, probably better than anyone in CONCACAF, right? And they should do if you look at how much money they spent on bringing those players together. So the question then uh, is about the leagues. Well, there's a team who are 13th in the league called al Rehad. I have no idea how good they are, right? And none of us do. So, you know, I suspect that if you get outside the top three or four teams, there's only actually five teams that have been part of this massive spend in the Saudi league, right? So if you look at the if you look at the uh, the points uh, at the top, Al Hilal have six, uh, 53 points, Al Nasir have 46 points, and then the fifth place team is on 30, the sixth place team is on 29. There's a massive drop off. Yeah, so. They're, they're not uh, – we, and it doesn't really matter. Either. I know people in MLS get all wound up. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There we go. There we go. That, that's where I was – I was waiting for that. Waiting for that because that is the question, my friend. Before I get to the question, Kana says, Perception after today, Saudi is greater than MLS and Saudi pay more and are closer to Europe for European players. Big hit to MLS. Simon, how much does this result matter? How much does this impact – Listen, perception is reality, my friend. Whether whether Inter Miami is the top team in MLS or however you want to view Inter Miami, perception is reality. And this is worldwide headlines. Like I've, I've seen Peruvian accounts, like that are soccer channels, that are soccer uh, media outlets, like talking about, oh, what's wrong with Inter Miami? What do they need to improve? With pictures of like Inter Miami all frustrated and everything. Fun. Does a result like this, even though it's only preseason, does it matter at all, or is it completely meaningless? Completely, no, it's not completely meaningless. I argued this on Twitter earlier. Like, preseason friendlies are meaningless until you win or lose 6 0 against a good team. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It, 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 it's a, a result that has an impact. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that like people in MLS and around and fans and stuff are like obsessed with this, like, which league is better thing, right. Do other people do that? I mean, in Europe, they don't really have these discussions all the time. That, ah, this result shows that the French league is better well, than the German league. That's because they actually league. compete internationally, Simon. They actually compete in the Europe, Europa League. Yeah, but even, even you know, I mean, you know, I, I've seen people starting up immediately, like when Brandon Vasquez scores, like, a few goals in his opening couple of games for, for Monterrey, that, like, I heard somebody saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, that shows, you know, Mexican League's better because Vasquez was one of the best players. He's he's left MLS behind and gone there. And then somebody else going, look how easy it is for him to score in Liga MX. Like, he wasn't scoring that easily at Cincinnati. All these ludicrous arguments about this kind of stuff. Like, so how much I mean, does it matter, Simon? How much does it matter? I mean, is 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 is, uh, is MLS better than Liga MX? No. In your opinion? Top, top to bottom. Top to bottom. But the, the two finalists in the League's Cup were both MLS teams. Yeah, but I think it, I think it would be a... League's Cup that are all played in, in on US soil. Where yeah, right. Well, this was played in. But that, that's what I mean, right? It's a it's a it's a silly argument to make, just as it would be, you know, but to I, argue I, about I, the son, Saudi League as a whole. The top teams, right? But this is your wheelhouse, Simon. Like the reason why Europa League and Champions League are so are so popular, besides the fact that they have, you know the top towns in most of the top towns or a lot of the top towns in the world of the beautiful game it's because it's international competition. You're measuring yourself at a higher level and you're seeing who's the creme, who is top of the game. That's where you measure yourself. It's not like, well, this team brings in this much money or this team is this popular and has this many social media followers. Like 
you're competing and that's where you really gauge, you know, where teams are and where players are, and, you know, how you, how you measure yourself as a measuring stick at that level. And I think this does, like you said, losing 6-0 absolutely is not meaningless. Like, like Tank721 in the comment section says, yes, because it was an ass-whooping of Mike Tyson proportion. So, like, Inter Miami got embarrassed today. It was embarrassing. They didn't even compete, man. They did not compete. At least in the last game against Ahilal, they were down 2-0 early, 3-1 at halftime. But, yeah, and the first half was terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And I think it's concerning that they get off these slow starts. But the second half, they competed much better. You know, David Ruiz got a, got a penalty call, and then he scored a great goal a minute or two minutes later. They competed better in the second half. But in this game, they just did not compete. And I think that that definitely hurts perception worldwide. Because even though Inter Miami may not be the best team, they might be the most recognizable team, the most star-studded team, even if they're not the best team in MLS, worldwide perception is that they are. Worldwide perception is that Inter Miami is the best team in MLS because of who they have. And when you get clobbered 6-0, to zero, you get annihilated 6-0, to zero, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And I'll go back to what I said last year. I'll go back to what I said last year. And I, and I wrote a whole thing on Miami Total Football Substack, which was uh, polarizing. I got, you know, two ends, uh, arguments for ends. When they played Barcelona in that midseason friendly, you know, maybe this wasn't last year. Maybe this was two years ago now. They got clobbered 6-0. And I thought it was a misguided opportunity or a misguided um, idea to play against Barcelona and lose 6-0 because it just makes you look terrible in the world's eye. This whole, the whole reason of this worldwide tour, this woeful worldwide tour, is because they want to grow the brand and expose the brand and show where they are, et cetera, et cetera. And they're not doing anything positive here other than showing these new pink jerseys around in different parts of the of the globe, like they're not looking competitive, they look not to par, and it's it's making people have more of a belief, rightfully or not, that Inter Miami and MLS are at a very lower level, a very inferior level than teams in the Middle East and teams in other parts of the world. No, it's not a good look. You're right. I mean, I think you know to be honest. If you're going to play these kind of games and you really think that it's like about building your brand and about um, representing MLS on a global stage and all this kind of stuff, play them in December when you finish the MLS season, right? Well, they tried, right? But then they got they had the, the trip to China canceled, right? Yeah. And they tried. See Munoz here in the comment section says, the overreaction is crazy with this world tour. What did everyone expect? It's the shit show exactly as I thought it would be. And we're <laughs> cursing. We are cursing. I normally don't curse. I try not to. I curse a lot in my per in my personal life, but I try not to curse on the podcast. It's just not my, my style. But whatever. We're doing it this week. We're drinking. We're cursing. We're doing it all. Uh, Simon, if they had won this game, though, if they had won, let's say Inter Miami wins this game 6-0 in their preseason form, are we not listening to Don Garber in a few days being like, oh, this shows how competitive MLS is, and look, we can compete on the world stage, and da 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 would we not hear it if Inter Miami had won by that score? Would we not hear it the other way? So that's why I'm like, this, there's no way we can call it meaningless at all. I know there's some people that do. I know you haven't said that. But I know there's people that are like, oh, it doesn't count because, you know, when Minnesota United beats Everton 4-0, you know, there's no overreaction. Listen, Minnesota United and Everton, like, 
it's not like there, anyone's going to say MLS is at the level of the Premier League. Realistically speaking, no one's saying that. But Saudi League versus MLS is a more comparative argument because both teams are not clearly at the top level. Developing and, they're investing, yeah. and, and they're yeah. investing money in bringing in top players. So they're a league that are competing more directly for a lot of these talents and a lot of these players. And I think that's why it's it, you, there's more of an argument here. There's more of an argument, whereas, you know, again, Minnesota and Everton, we're not gonna, not gonna yeah, but does anyone honestly does anyone seriously think? I mean, I really like MLS and I enjoy it a lot, but does anyone really think if you put together all star teams from MLS and the Saudi League and they played each other that it would be a contest? I mean, if you put in, you know, it's not just Cristiano Ronaldo, is it right? You put in Marnie out there, you put in Benzema out there, you put in, you know, I Neymar mean, if he had not been injured with Al Hilal, if he's not injured, right. if he's playing in that game, you know. I mean, what kind of all-star team could they put together? You know, I mean, there'd probably be a few. You know, not even that. They 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 bring Jaime Laporte, who was like a top European defender, French international. They bring uh, Spain international, isn't he? Sorry, they they bring it. They bring him in. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely, that, that league would win. Does, does it make the league as a whole stronger though? Because I would argue that you know. I would like to see the 10th and 11th and 12th. I mean, this, we had this argument in Europe loads of times. Those years when, like, Real Madrid and Barcelona were, like, dominating, Spanish clubs were dominating the Champions League. But people would say, yeah, but I reckon the 10th place team in the Premier League is stronger than the 10th place team in La Liga, which I would I agreed with at the time, right? The bottom half of, like, the Premier League has always been stronger than the, the bottom half of, like, Serie A or, or the Spanish League. But there are times when the top half isn't you know but these these are these are interesting arguments but this this idea of of this being a way of spreading the brand um is is definitely damaged when you lose six nil definitely you know who i want to hear from man you know who i would love to hear from and he never speaks to the media i don't think he's spoken to, like, legitimately he's definitely never spoken to like the the overall like core group of media members he said hi he's very friendly but I've never heard him speak in an interview. Maybe he's done interviews like one-on-ones or, you know, as promotional purposes with like, you know, different types of media outlets. But I've never heard him speak in his years here. And that was in of the business side of things at Inter Miami, who used to work in Barcelona. You know, he's he's definitely in the background. If you don't know who Xavier Asensi is, Google him. He's in the background in a lot of these games and a lot of these moments. You know, he was on the field um, before the game. Yeah, he's a very important he's, guy at the club. He's very important at Inter Miami, but he never yeah. speaks. He never speaks. And I would love to hear from someone on the business side how they justify these trips. I mean, it comes down to money. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. And look, harsh shit here in the comment section says, I'm not joking, but college team defenses are better than Inter Miami. And I think it's a bit hyperbole, but, you know, listen, Inter Miami has not looked good. So, I mean, very quickly, very quickly. How much does it matter? Give, I don't know how you quantify it. I don't know how, but just how much does it matter that they got pummeled Six to zero. Que los humillaron, Simon. Que los humillaron. Seis to zero. How much does it matter? Just however you can quantify it. I mean, it's bad for the for the reputation of the team. It's bad for their brand. Bad for their image. Won't be good for morale. Um, doesn't help their preparation at all. But none of this world tour is really about preparation, right? So they're and they're going to come back with some problems. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, going to have to solve it really quickly when they get back. No, the only thing that matters, what matters, there's no point to stay. What matters is what happens against Real Salt Lake. 
on, on the 21st of February. But does this help or hinder them prepare for that? And and I think we all had that feeling on this podcast when this tour was announced that it was probably going to create a situation where Inter-Miami would have a slow start to the season instead of where if they'd have worked at home, played a couple of friendlies against MLS teams in some Coachella Valley tournament like everybody else does um, and got themselves ready and then hit the ground running against uh, Rail Salt Lake. Um, they would have been better prepared than doing this. But they haven't done it for football reasons. It's been done clearly for commercial reasons. Um, not just money, but the branding and the overall sort of, you know, project with the club. So they kind of sacrificed their preseason for that, really. Um, and I don't think they expected to get this kind of result. Um, but, yeah, they're going to have to deal with it. Um, they'll play an easier team next, you would think. Um, they want to avoid a defeat against the J-League team, come back, get ready for the Newell's game. But, you know, there's going to be new players to integrate. There's players missing. It's going to be about, I think, that back line today, you know, I agree with um, the uh, the comments. I think, uh, you know, it wasn't good enough for the defending there at all. But I think it will be a very different defense in place when, when, when it starts to matter, you know. But be wary of international games. Be wary of international games. Don't start thinking the CONCACAF Champions League is going to be a stroll just because you've got these Champions guys on these Champions Cup, teams. Simon. They've changed Champions the name. Cup, CONCACAF sorry. Champions Cup. Come on, man. On brand. All the games against Pueblo and uh, Tigres as well. Yeah. Right. They, they, they drew Puebla and, uh, and Tigres in the League Cup, which, again, I mean, when it comes to the League Cup, I don't think Inter is going to care all that much at all because they already won that. So, you know, they don't need to put all their eggs in that basket when they've got other competitions in mind. Northern Tide Garden, guys, says preseason is preseason. Yes, the brand still accept, extends win or lose. I guess. I mean, I don't I don't know if it extends. Yeah, it extends, but, like, you're becoming more of a laughingstock than a team that, you know, is being looked at as, yeah, they're a serious team. They're a team that you need to watch out for. I want you. I want to hear one more quote, one more comment from Julian Gressel. Because he was asked about the leagues or the teams and if it's fair to compare them. And I didn't like his response. I didn't like it. I'll share with you why. But let's listen to it first. I, I don't think you can compare. Um, I think we're very early on in the process of us getting ready for the season. This is our third week now, end of the third week. Um, together as a team after you know a long couple months off. and um, So I don't think it, it, you can really compare. Um, you know, I think we would we would obviously love to have a rematch at some point, I think. That's a competitor in me, you know, and, and kind of at, a, at a, maybe an official competition. And hopefully we can we can have that at a Club World Cup, for example. I think that's the only way that we could ever really, um, really do that. And um, hopefully we get to represent MLS at that, at that level. And, but again, you know, those are good teams that we play. We knew that coming in, good tests, um, good preseason games that will we'll get us ready for the year and, and we'll, we have a lot to learn from. Simon, I know you said earlier earlier you don't don't like to, you know, dive into or analyze the comments too much. I do. And you know why (laughs) I don't like that? Because he just got pummeled 6-0. to They just got spanked 6-0, to and he's talking about meeting them again in the uh, Club World Cup. Like, I don't know, man. Listen, I get that, you know, as an athlete, you have confidence in that, but you also need to have some humility. You just got beat 6-0, to and you're talking about – Winning the CONCACAF Champions Cup to make it to the Club World Cup, 
so that you can potentially face this team down the road. But he, what I think he should have said, right? What I think would have been a better comment is like, yeah, we would like to meet them some point down the road in a meaningful game, but we've got a lot of work to do if we want to get to that point because we just got destroyed and we were no match for that team. That's what I would have liked to have heard. I just think, like, in Miami, in terms of the team and just in terms of the culture and in terms of everything around it because of Messi, I think there's, like, a little bit of a lacking sense of reality. Like, you just got destroyed 6-0. Now you're talking about the Club World Cup. Like, come on. <laughs> come on am, I, am, I, am I, like, please, comment section. Am I, am I like, overreacting to that? Like, how can you talk about this when you aren't even at this? Like, that to me is just – to me it shows the mentality of Inter-Miami and, and – Look, it's good to be ambitious, but you also have to be humble and know where you stand and where you need to get better. That's that's my. I think uh, to uh, look to take to, to give Gretzel some credit. Like I think what he's just saying is this wasn't a real game, right? This was a friendly game, so you can't make judgments on this game, right? We've already said you can, but you know, if they had, I guarantee you, MLSsoccer.com would have had Inter Miami. Smackdown, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's on the start, and you would have seen all the propaganda all over MLSsoccer.com for the next three days with videos of goals and, you know, the, the articles and the technical analysis and the promoting and the pom-pom cheering because of how good MLS is. But when they lose, there's a certain section of MLS circles. They're like, oh, well, it's preseason. It doesn't matter. It only matters when MLS does well. When they don't do well, eh, there's always excuse-making. There's always excuse-making. Listen, man, I don't, I don't, I don't share that belief. You're out there competing. You're out there to compete. I didn't say, I'm not saying they have to win because there, there are realities. They're in preseason where the other team is in midseason. The other team can spend uh, in an unlimited manner where Inter Miami has a cap. But you need to be more competitive than Sigzer. That's that's all. I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Simon, you see this poor Gressel. Poor Gressel has to come out and answer all the questions. Having done all the pregame stuff, as you pointed out. You know, and saying, now, though, like, you know, and he, he comes out and he's, he's, you know, he's got enough uh, of a spine to come out and face the music after a 6 0 defeat. And then Franco has a go at the guy. You know, I'm it's not just... having a go at him, mother. I'm not having a go at him. I just the thing, I think the, I think the comment is misguided. Like it just lacks humility after a 6 0 defeat. You're talking about the Club World Cup, which you have to, you know, win competition. I'm sure if you'd have been there and you'd have followed up and said, really? You think you, you this kind of performance suggests you're heading towards the FIFA Club World Cup? He would have said, oh, I'm not saying that. I was just saying, you know, come on, give, yeah, the guy, still, give him a break. Yeah. Give him a break. Listen, I commend him for facing the music where it looks like clearly other players aren't. Listen, I, I, I will share this tidbit. An anecdote for my life is a person and as a journalist. I worked with Peru's national team during the Copa America in 2016 that was here in the United States. I worked behind the scenes. I was doing social media for them. Uh, U.S. Soccer hired me to do the job of like helping promote the tournament. And it was honestly one of the most incredible life experiences I've had. Absolutely one of the most incredible. Especially instead of being on this side of the fence, for lack of a better phrase, in terms of covering a team, I was behind the scenes with them. I traveled with them. I ate with them. I was there at practice um, at all times. I sat at like the coach's table during dinner in Boston and heard all types of stories. Like it was a completely different experience, an eye-opening experience. When it came to doing interviews, and the PR lady would come over to try to grab the players, I remember this very clearly in Arizona. It was a nighttime. Players were like, 
No, 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 no. I'm not doing it. No way. No, no, no. I already did it last time. No, I'm not doing it. No chance. Don't even bother to ask me. I don't care if I didn't do it last time. I'm not going. Until somebody finally, one or two players raise their hand. They're like, all right, fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I can imagine Julian Gressel is the first guy that, you know, maybe the PR team's like, hey, would you do this? And he's like, he's new. You know, he's like, all right, fine, fine. I'll integrate myself into the group. I'll, I'll face the music. I'll be a good teammate. But that goes back to the earlier point. That has to go across the board, man. And I'm not expecting Messi to speak after every defeat or Suarez to speak after every defeat, but you can't just only speak when things go well. Like, that's just, that's. No, I mean, I'll share, I'll share a little story uh, from, from a way back. Um, covering the Champions League. The Champions League final was in Istanbul, and some of the listeners will remember. Sorry, Simon, hold on. Jose Armando Rodriguez, one of our regular co-hosts, who's not here, present in the flesh, but he's in the comment section, and he says, hi, team, on our way home from Lone Depot Park. Time is up for the not enough time excuse. The team chose to go all over the world for preseason, and you go down 6-0. Just take it. Thank you, Jose, for sharing your thoughts. Say hello to Andrea. Wise sure words as always. Driving. Wise words as always. And Andrea's driving, so I'm sure she can't comment, but um, otherwise she would. Otherwise, Jose is the but voice sorry, of sorry, reason. Sorry, He's the voice of reason. No, so back in uh, 2005, um, and it was Liverpool and AC Milan. AC Milan were 3-0 up at halftime in that Champions League final in Istanbul. Liverpool came back and scored three goals in the second half. Incredible. One of the most amazing finals ever. And it goes to a penalty shootout, and AC Milan lose. And Andrei Shevchenko, the star striker of that AC Milan team, uh, misses one of the decisive penalties. Yeah, he's the guy who's like the cameras on at the end and everything. Yeah, go down to the mix zone, which is down in the bowels of the stadium, like concrete stadium on outskirts of the Ataturk Stadium, down in the bottom by. And when the mix zones used to be just near the bus, right? They still are sometimes over here. And we're waiting to see who's going to come out. It was the most crushing defeat. They were the best team in Europe. They were way better than Liverpool. And they were 3-0 up at half-time. And they've somehow thrown it away. And we're waiting and waiting who's going to come out. Who walks out? Andrei Shevchenko, the guy who missed the penalty. The most brutal. And his career had been like that up to that point, right? Nothing had ever gone wrong for him. Like Biggest setback in his career. And he walks out walks up to a crowd, and you can imagine how many Italian journalists there were at a Champions League final with Milan in it. Just this massive pack of journalists, and Shevchenko's like, okay, yeah, you know, and answered all the questions. Stood there, answered all the questions. That's what you do. That's what professionals, top professionals do. You know? So they've, they've got to all do it. You know? They shouldn't be putting Gressel a new guy, especially a new guy. They shouldn't be putting him out. I mean, that, and listen, there's layers to that. I think that that's, you know, a management decision as well. Not nothing about Tata Martino. I think it's just a management decision in terms of the club and how they're going about it. Clearly trying maybe not to ruffle the feathers of the bigger name players or the Hispanic players that are, you know, a little more uncomfortable with it. And I think that's got to change. I've said that before. I think that's got to change. Simon, before we wrap up the show, we're going past the hour, so a little like five, six more minutes here before we wrap up. Um, one more. One more quote here from Julian Gressel on that halftime talk from Tata Martino to the team. No, he got a little bit little bit more intense for sure. I mean, you know, these like like I said before, I think these games are are a balance of we want to compete and we want to test ourselves, um, as well as um, you know, kind of 
learn and, and grow, you know, in preseason. So um, it's it definitely got a little bit intense because we all want to win, you know, and, and the way we um, played in the first half, the way, you know, the result went wasn't great and it wasn't good. So it, it warranted that little intensity, I think. Did not the game did not matter at all. If the game didn't matter at all, Tata Martino would not have been like that at halftime, according to Johnny Gress. My opinion. My opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's I think that's diplomatic language. Intense. Intense. It got intense. Yeah. You know, he Simon, you wrong. have you get you get an intense comment here. It might be intensely complimentary because he says Simon has the best storytelling skills and he's the voice over. Football documentaries, if he doesn't already. Look at that. The flattery is big here in Miami Total Football Radio's comment section. You get Simon, you're getting all love. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been. Uh... No one ever said that about Steve and Primo Brenner. No one ever said, oh, he belongs. They said a lot of other things about Steve, but they never said he should be voicing uh, over us. Uh, yeah, but Steve's, Steve's on another level, man. He's like, he's out there breaking <laughs> stories on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey now, you know? He's 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 getting Steve, the big scoops. Steve's a, Steve's a man of many stories. Legend. A legend here on Miami to talk about. Driving very quickly. Now you see the jersey in action. The new, it's called the Togetherness jersey. This is not the Togetherness jersey. Nope. This is not the togetherness jersey. I promise you, I'm not tipsy yet, but I just I never figure this out when I'm facing the camera. Um, what do you think? Do you like it? Now we've seen it in the flesh from top to bottom. Obviously, TV makes things look better than they are, but your overall thoughts very quickly. At first, when I saw like the leaked stuff that was coming out, I thought, why did they need to change the shade? You know, people identify with that that pink now. Why change it and so on? And then when you see it on the field, it's not such a radical change, right? It's not like massively different pink. It is a different shade. Um, and it looks okay. I mean, there's nothing special about it, right? It's not the design is like fairly standard Adidas design, yeah. Um, I don't like the badge in the middle, but that's just a personal thing. I prefer it over there. Um, it looks a little bit like a tube of things going on there in, down the middle. But um, the color looks fine. The kit looks okay. It looked it looked all right. You know, I mean, it's not going to be an iconic kit that anyone's going to remember. And the shirts get remembered for moments, don't they? Right. So that shirt that's behind you there, everyone will think of that as the League's Cup shirt. That's what they won it in Nashville wearing that shirt and all the rest. When Messi scored the free kick against Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul. That's that's uh -huh. that shirt. Yeah. So far. The new shirt is going to be remembered for the one they wore when they got beat 6 0 in Saudi Arabia. But we're very early days in the shirt story. So let's hope that shirt, uh, for the Inter Miami fans listening anyway, let's hope that shirt has a more uh, successful and prosperous future. There are better times to come in that jersey, surely. Surely. Uh, quickly, just to touch base, we touched on Christopher McVeigh being sent to DC United. Nicola Stefanelli was transferred to a Hungarian club. So also. He's going Very to good pay I saw, pay I, saw, I saw your I saw your tweet with the historic uh, background and context, which was fascinating. Simon, mean, if you want to share it, go for it. But um, you don't have to. If you don't. No, I mean the club people see this team Fehivar FC. No one's heard of them because they've only been called that for a few years. But Stefanelli has actually gone to one of the more better known teams in Hungary, and actually a team that did well in Europe in the past. Nineteen eighty-five, they got to the uh, UEFA Cup final. They were called Videotan in those days. 
you would have to be a much older viewer than this than I think our young demographic attracts. But but they lost to Real Madrid in the final, but they beat Manchester United in the semi-final to get there. It's a great little club, Vidi, everyone called it in Hungary. Now they're called Fehivar FC. They're from the town of Sikesh Fehivar, which is a nice historic town in Hungary. And that's where Stefanelli's gone. It's a curious move, but he has played. He's had an interesting career for an Argentine guy. Yeah, he was in Sweden before he came to Miami, and now he's going going to Hungary. So it's the world we live in, man. In Sweden, he was like a decent level in Europe, you know, with the potential to maybe move up had he done well enough and pressed. He decided to come to Miami for whatever reasons, financial, you know, lifestyle, potential to play with Messi, etc., whatever the case is. But it was a step back in his career. Because now he's gone from Sweden to MLS, which at best, at best, I think is a lateral move. And now he's gone to Hungary, which as a historic team from Sweden. My opinion. My opinion. Yeah, no, it is the Hungarian league, unfortunately. Is, is, is and, he, and he did, league. listen, here, he never found a spot. You know, he struggled with injuries, struggled with finding a position where he could really impact things consistently. I don't think MLS was well suited for him. You know, whereas other people have moved up, despite maybe not great uh, times at Inter Miami, he definitely, in my opinion, took a step down. His career definitely took took a hit there. So, uh, you know, yeah, so, but, you great, know football. great quote, great quote, great quote. He'd like, you know, he had a soccer brain. You know, I, we jokingly would tell him after interviews, like, yo, you're going to be a head coach later on because we love, you know, we like talking to him. At least Andrea Jose and myself, we like talking to him, um, you know, getting quotes from him after games because he he would dive into the nuances and the analysis with such detail that it was it was such rich detail that, you know, it gave you a lot and gave you a lot of understanding. But um, he just didn't cut. He didn't he didn't make the cut um, during his time here. Again, he was a player that was brought by the previous one of the previous regime, but the previous head coach. And clearly thought that Martin thought he was surplus to requirements as he did with Christopher McVeigh. But the weird thing about football is like, and if we forget this constant battle of statuses that there always is within football, it's that's part of the game as well, right? So the Hungarian league is like one of the more minor leagues in Europe, it's true. But um, for all the great tradition and history that there is there. But if he goes to that club and they win the league in Hungary and they qualify for the Champions League. He's going to be an all-time great in Feyenoord history, right? And he's going to, and already the moment he walks out on that field, the moment he walks out on that field, he's already like exciting the fans because an Argentinian has come to play in the uh, Hungarian league. So he'll be a bit of a novelty. He'll he'll be a big name over there. So he could enjoy. He could end up having like two or three really enjoyable years in his career. I hope he does. You know. Yeah, I mean, hey, hopefully for him he does well. Um, you know, for Lopo Pizarro went to Greece and. Um, you know, there's been some tragic news with Rodolfo Bizarro as of late. Um, he, uh, his, his family was assaulted in Mexico. Um, I think, I, I believe, that, yeah. his, his, aunt, his aunt passed away. Uh, may she rest in peace. Um, devastating news. Uh, but back to just, you know, the, the football aspect is um, sometimes these moves are made with seeing it as a stepping stone for something better, but it doesn't always pay out, and sometimes it makes you take a step. See what Stefan does with, with the rest of his career. Um, going back to the jersey, I think it looks good in terms of the color. Like I don't think it looks terrible like some people thought it might. I like the design with the with it has more black than than this one does, so it contrasts a little bit better. But the logo is terrible, terrible. If you look at Drake Calendar's uh, goalkeeper jersey, you know it's it's traditional. It's whatever color it is, it's been yellow. 
but he's got the crest, he's got Adidas, and then he's got the Royal Caribbean logo in the middle. It's not all vertical. I thought that would have looked fantastic on this new togetherness pink kit. But alas, we got stuck with the vertical look. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they did that, but anyway. Anyway. All right. So Inter-Miami will play the Hong Kong All-Star team. I'm not calling it the national team. But it's in the Hong Kong All-Star team on Sunday. I hate making promises, Simon, about like when we're going to be on because given your guys' schedule, it's very difficult to coordinate for all of us to be on or for a couple of us to be on. I doubt many people are going to be up on Sunday, you know, overnight watching this game live. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, we'll do something post-game at like 6 in the morning. If my memory serves me correctly, I think it's at 4. Maybe, maybe. I know it's a hard ask, but I mean. We could do one of those. uh, We could do like those guys do down in Argentina. Like we could like do it during the game. Like. (laughs) Oh, oh, golazo, golazo. (laughs) You have a little team lineups on the side and we stand there and like, you know. Maybe I'm going to need some more Colombian rum. I don't know if I've ever drank Colombian rum at four or five in the morning. I, I think but, people um, would tune in at four in the morning to watch you on your second <laughs> bottle of Colombian rum doing live commentary on the Hong Kong All-Stars versus Inter Miami. I think that would be a winner. Kara says, I will be up. So Kara, the man of the people, a faithful, faithful Miami football listener. Got to be the number, gotta be the number one. I don't know. Uh, hold on. Hold on. We can't just give him that title like that, Simon. He's up there for terms sure. Of being loyal, I've never been on this. I've never been on this podcast and not seen a comment from Kada. Kada is very loyal and he knows stuff about me in my personal life through Instagram and other things that I'm like, I'm trying to find out who it is, but you know, props to Kada for, for being true through and through. Through and through. All right, Simon. I think that does it for this week's show. We talked a good bit about a lot of different things. Things. There's going to be two more friendlies in Asia for Inter Miami. I'm not going to show today. We'll see what we can do. Tank721, who is our resident referee here, he was quiet. You know, he's having a good, silent oh, game, but he, he wants no, to be part of the show. There was no disrespect to Tank by saying that. Yellow card to El Gigante Simon Evans. And if you don't know what El Gigante means, it means the giant. <laughs> so, My yellow card to Simon. Um, but anyway, all right, that does it for this week's show. Simon, as always, wonderful time personally speaking with you about football in, in more detail. We, I know we do it during the week in our beloved and famed WhatsApp group, but we don't get to get in as much juicy detail here where we get to like bicker a little bit more, you can debate a little bit more, you get to give me a little more substance to the opinion. So I appreciate you for coming on. Um, for you listeners, we will be back in the next few days. I don't know when, I'm not going to tell you a day because then. We don't come through, and then I feel really bad about it. But we will be back at some point next week, maybe this weekend, maybe this weekend. So, Simon, any last things, any last words you want to share? It doesn't have to be anything related. Anything else you want to share? Anything going on in Simon Evans' personal life? Jolly in the green – wait, what is it? In the green stock? Wait, I forget what it is. Maybe I've had too much Colombian rum. Jack and the Beanstalk, are you talking about? I think it's time to wrap up when we got onto that <laughs> stuff. Back up. Okay. It's All right. Been a so pleasure. Always good to talk. All right. Nothing new. Only thing to remember is uh, preseason friendlies. We spent a lot of time saying they're not meaningless uh, just because the team's lost 6 0. It's worth remembering my team back in England, Burnley, had a fantastic preseason this year. Yeah, exactly, Carter. My team back home, Burnley, we went out, promoted from the championship. Our preseason friendlies included a game away at Benfica. 
we went out against Benfica Champions League team and outclassed them for 90 minutes with even our bench players like looking absolute quality. Everyone was like, we're going to do so well in the Premier League this year because fans, we like pre-season friendlies when we go and perform really well against teams like Benfica. And it looks like we're going to be relegated straight back down to the championship after a disastrous season. So they really don't mean a great deal lot in terms of predicting what's going to happen during a season. So my message to Inter Miami fans would be, yes, ask questions, look at it, scrutinize it, do like we do, talk about where it's gone wrong and what could be better. But don't uh, let it don't let it uh, get you too despondent ahead of a new season. I think there's a, a lot of exciting soccer ahead. Kyle says up Burnley. Uh, Thank the you, only Kyle. Thing, the only thing I will add, I don't have anything to add. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't have anything to add. No, oh, that's don't. it. That's it. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just leave it there. I'll leave it there. All right. So Simon Evans, I'm Franco Panisa. You guys have been listening to, and if I don't get, if this doesn't roll off the tongue, because it takes me a second to go from English to Spanish, then it's going to crucify me. But you have been listening to Miami Total Football. See, I, I already got stuck. I already got I'll stuck. do it. Radio. Hey, if you want to go for it, come on, let's get one. Simon. Come Miami on. Miami Total on. Football Radio. Hey, muy bien, Simon. Muy bien. Better than me. Better than I. All right. Well, we'll be back in a few days. Thank you guys again for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. Again, like, comment, share, subscribe, leave a review, all of the above. And we'll talk to you guys again very, very soon. Bye.